Hello and welcome to The Frank Show, starring me, Frank, and my brother, Frank. He's there in the corner. Say hi, Frank. Hi. And also my wife, Frank. Say hi, Frank. Hi, Frank. (laughs) (laughs) Well, now you're just taking all the fun of this now, aren't you? (laughs) Anywho, no, this is not The Frank Show. It would be quite the show, frankly. (laughs) That one's for you, Dave. I hope you hear this and appreciate it. This is, the, in fact, the book pad, ah, words, the book bat podcast, where we like to discuss things, Christian fantasy, and that is quite the thing, frankly speaking. <laughs> <laughs> it sounded better in my head, okay? Let it go. <laughs> I am your co-host, Jason. And I am your other co-host, who is not named Frank. <laughs> I am Carlissa J. Well, thanks for being so frank about it. (laughs) Anywho. (laughs) So, Carlissa, you are a published author. Shocker, I know. We have not brought that up not once in this whole podcast. You have had not one, not two, but six novels published. In fact, your first novel, Kingdom of Bats, was published in the long ago year of 2013. That's been 10 years. Yeah, I can't remember how who won the Stanley Cup that year. I should remember that. I normally do. Dang it. So yeah, like she said, six novels, 10 years. Now, in those 10 years, and going back even further, you've changed and grown as a person as well as an author. At least I'd hope so. Mm-hmm. So I thought it could be fun for me to interview you. This is not at all a lazy idea, people. It's brilliant. You're just shocked that we didn't think of it sooner, or you didn't. Some of these things we may have gone over in one form or another in previous episodes, but hopefully there will be some things of interest to the listeners, not just the intro. (laughs) (laughs) So, question number one. What got you into writing in the first place? I learned how to write. (laughs) I discovered I enjoyed. I think it was. I always loved making up stories, and writing is an easy way to record the stories that I've made up without actually having to share them with a person. Yeah, that in too. person. Yeah, that too. <laughs> yep, it's handy that way. So I guess we'll move on from that, and hopefully you'll be a bit better with the second question. <laughs> Five of your published novels are fantasy. Uh, I don't know. Would you say Black Mrs. Fantasy? Uh, I'm a little fuzzy on that one. I want to say it's Slipstream. It's not. <laughs> what? It was, it was my attempt at mystery that became more of suspense with the supernatural at the end. Then what'd you hate, say Slipstream for? What? What's that? <laughs> oh, I've mentioned Slipstream before, haven't I? I actually haven't read no. it. I actually haven't read any Slipstream before. No. It's where... They start off the story. It's a genre where you start off the story making it seem like it's a real world type story. But there's these little hints that something is off. And then as the book unfolds, you realize that it's totally not in the real world at all. Or there's something really weird going on. (gasps) Just like your new novel. That's what you should tell your editor. It's Slipstream, man. Get into it. (laughs) No. (laughs) It could be. (laughs) So... As previously stated, five of your published novels are fantasy. 
Was that on purpose or is that just a type of story that you find you write best? Yeah, I love writing fantasy. I love making up fantasy stories. I love the fantasy genre. Uh, The mystery was, I also do love mystery, but I found it is a lot harder to write. That sounds like why the writers for Batman the Animated Series gave up on making the Riddler the main villain. Mm -hmm. All right, let's go to the third question. Do you look back at all your previously published books and still like them? Or do you more so focus on your next work? The Tales of the Diversity Trilogy, that was one that I had on my mind for a very long time. So it is nice to have it actually out there and shared for people to read. I think there are some mistakes in it, but overall, I'm glad I told it. Black Mist is the only one that I have. (laughs) Although, I think some of the themes I explored in Dwelling in Darkness, I think I explore much better in my book that is coming up, David Jones Aquarium. There you go. You're learning as you go. But what did you learn from Black Mists? What did I learn from Black Mists? Ever do that, that again? Is, <laughs> I learned that if I ever set out to write a mystery again, I have to be very, very intentional in planning everything out in detail beforehand. That makes sense. A little hard to make that one up as it goes and mm-hmm. not let it go off the rails. All right. Do you have a favorite out of the books you've published? And I know it's not Black Mists. <laughs> <laughs> Hmm. What? That's the one you've gotten the most compliments on, but it's the one that you hate the most. It's weird. I think it's just the genre that a lot of people prefer, even if it's not a very good example of that genre. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, so they prefer a bad mystery story as opposed to good fantasy. Oh, that's comforting. It's a mildly bad suspense story. It, It ended up being more suspense than mystery. Potato, potato. Anyway, do you have a favorite? Do I have a favorite? Probably The Promise. So the third book in Tales of the Diversity. Is that by virtue of it being the last book that you've published? It's more by virtue of I like Tales of the Diversity and I think I got better as I went on. Another high one would be Kingdom of Bats, which I look back on today and it has flaws, but I think overall what I did with the story was good. I still can't get over the intro that you did for Kingdom of Bats, okay? (laughs) Like, I always knew... It's always in the back of my head that, yeah, the intro is kind of dark. But every time I read it, I'm like, holy smokes, this thing's dark. (laughs) Are we sure this is for kids? This is like 1980s G. Yeah, you bought me that uh, Silverwing graphic novel. So Silverwing is a book, a story about bats by Kenneth Opal, who's a Canadian. Canadian, Um, eh? (laughs) And yeah, it was nice looking back on it and thinking... That was definitely the book that inspired Kingdom of Bats. I did a lot of different things than what he did in his story. But I think some of the basic themes were the same. Plus it's bats. Yeah. (laughs) Yep. Bats are underrated. Mm -hmm. Sorely underrated. Right there with Wolverines. Mm -hmm. I'll go to my grave saying that. I haven't written a Wolverine story yet. Don't steal my idea. (laughs) All right. Let's move on to question number five. How do you go about creating a story? Does the story itself come first, the characters, or the world? Yeah, I've tried answering this question before. It's a really good question. (laughs) That's why I'm asking it. This is like what C.S. Lewis said, don't trust an author and the answer that they give you about how they make up their stories because they're too involved in making up the stories at the time to pay attention to how they're doing it. (laughs) (laughs) Spoken like a true author. 
Um, it feels like to me, at least it feels like the world concept comes first and characters come out of that world in thinking of what characters would either kind of evolve as a result of this world or what characters would kind of throw off this world a bit. And then the story evolves from how the characters interact with each other and with the world. Okay, so just to clarify here, you're telling me that you don't tend to come into a story with the story in mind at first. Like, you know, you want to tell a gothic romance, for example. (laughs) This is for example, people don't get your hopes up. It partially does vary according to the story, but no, I think it's usually uh, I have a world concept that fascinates me that I want to play with more. Um, Although... I will like, I want to say ship. That's not going to sound right. I I ship characters from one story to another. I don't mean I put them in relationships. I mean, I... I'm sorry. I'm I'm too used to all those horrible things on whether it's YouTube or whatever. (laughs) They're saying, these characters are shipped. And I'm just like, can we just be like Lego Batman here? I'm thinking of... I don't do ships. As in relationships. I'm thinking more like cargo ships <laughs> or ferries. <laughs> so I will carry, if I come up with a new world idea that I want to explore a little bit more, I will carry characters that I've come up with in other stories or in other worlds and move them. Yeah, adapt them to this new world. Huh. Or characters from like shows and books, movies. Has any characters from my little pony friendship is magic made the list yet? No. Darn it, you should have one based off of Pinkie Pie. (laughs) But she'd throw a wrench into everything. Just saying. All right, we're going to move on to number six. What inspires you creatively, particularly when it comes to your writing? Animals. And thinking of different cultures around the world, I guess. Yeah, probably I draw a lot of influence from visiting other cultures and thinking about other cultures and places and the diversity of animal life in the world and imagining creatures there is a lot of diversity in wildlife there is it's crazy it's awesome it is awesome but i can handle terrestrial well what's it no not terrestrial uh what's the word what's the word for when they're on land i can handle that those is terrestrial it is yes. terrestrial that really terrestrial yes. oh my gosh because terra is earth Okay, I can handle terrestrial animals, but I tried to come up with a concept for aqua marine animals. Oh my goodness, there was too many. I couldn't whittle it down. My mind was blown. <laughs> it broke me. Also, I had to face the facts. In the water, orcas are drastically OP. Yep. <laughs> Just ain't fair. <laughs> but I can't have them be the bad guys. Who doesn't like orcas? I mean, in penguin stories, in penguin movies. They're the bad guys. Those penguin movies are wrong. (laughs) They're wrong on all those levels. Leopard seals are cool. I mean, you could have a dolphin movie where the villain is an orca. No, that'd be a shark movie. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Where the sharks are being murdered by this mysterious killer who's not even doing the decency of eating the rest of the shark. Only their, what was it, their livers? Yeah. Yeah. Only their livers. Who could it be? Da, da, da. All right, moving on. Number seven. Do things in your stories, whether characters, worlds, or events, come from things or people that you have personally experienced? Yeah. You don't have to give a To one degree or another. (laughs) Okay. Do you make a point to 
draw from whether it's a person experience or whatever do you also make take pains if you do that to not make it painfully obvious that this character is so and so or this event's based on something specific that happened to you yeah generally there will be some changes just because i'm not good at copying what actually <laughs> exists <laughs> That's it because you like think it's I boring. Have to fill in or alter some things. Plus, I don't want it to be a direct copy. Really? <laughs> You're going to tell me that the legendary pudding incident wouldn't be worthwhile of putting down in a fantasy story? How about you write it in a story? That's your incident. <laughs> I'm beginning to wonder if it just sounds better if you don't explain what happened. <laughs> <laughs> the pudding incident. <laughs> All right, moving on to number eight. How did you go about getting your books published? Has the publishing experience at all influenced or changed you as a creative person? So I think I first heard about self-publishing through uh, my parents went to some sort of fair and got pamphlets and stuff. Wasn't that Breakforth? Was it at Breakforth? I think it was at at Breakforth. Breakforth. Yeah, I think it was at Breakforth. So yeah, did a little research and then ended up going through Word Alive Press. Has the publishing experience influenced... (laughs) I went into publishing, into getting my books published, not because I wanted a wider audience or anything like that, which I'm starting to realize, like, that's usually why you get a publisher. (laughs) For me, it was, I felt I had grown enough uh, as a creative writer. I needed some way to challenge myself more and be pushed further. And going through a publisher meant yeah going through an editor having lots of different people look at my work uh and then sharing it with more people even if just through the process of getting it published Mm -hmm. so yeah i feel like i have learned from that and satisfied that creative impulse almost not quite (laughs) then as a tag on question to that why are you still publishing stories now it's because I have people who like reading my stuff and keep asking for more. So publishing still because, yeah, I have family and friends who want to read. Okay, just thought I'd throw that in there. All right. You said in a previous podcast that the Bible is a source of inspiration when it comes to fantasy. What do you mean by that? So I don't mean like taking wholesale stories from the Bible, which is what typically people seem to mean when they are being influenced by the Bible in writing stories is just copying and pasting from Bible stories. <laughs> Let's take the story of the prodigal son and slap a medieval coat of paint on it. Totally original. What I more so mean is in tone and how you explore God and think about reality. And the Bible consists of multiple different genres and Yeah, exploring multiple different ways of talking to God and relating to God and thinking about God. And I think that leaves room for us as creatives to figure out what a particular genre does well and what we like about it. As C.S. Lewis talked about it as an art form, different genres are kind of like different art mediums and figuring out how that medium can best be used to tell the story that I want to tell or explore the world that i want to explore which you know pretty much means it's going to be fantasy (laughs) (laughs) yeah that is true if it's your world that you are creating then it kind of has to be a fantasy yeah pretty much (laughs) all right moving on 
Can you name a life event that influenced your writing in a tangible way? Ooh, a life event. Oh, yeah. Going to a school of communication foundations in Bertingi, Switzerland at the YWAM base there. Oh, yeah. The one that you won't stop talking about. (laughs) So it was a school about lots of different communication forms. We were learning more about public speaking, writing, uh, how to communicate well, lots of different things. And for the writing week, our teacher there talked to me, you know, towards the end of the week. It was like, um, where you're at, you could have been teaching this class. It's like, that was, to me, the encouragement I needed to say, yeah, I need to push myself. I mean, I don't actually think I could have been teaching the class because I don't know how to teach writing. But <laughs> you know how to do it, but not to teach it. <laughs> um, but just to say that I needed to move on to another level of challenging myself. I couldn't just do another introductory writing class, but had to do something that would push me further. You've got two more books coming out. One is another fantasy, Davy Jones Aquarium, and the other is your first nonfiction, and surprisingly, it is not your autobiography. Rather, it is Christian Fantasy 101, which in part inspired the creation of this podcast that people are maybe listening to. How do you find the inspiration energy and wherewithal to do these projects as well as your graphic design work that can be seen on bookbat.com well book-bat.com yeah people ask me that question they say like you have three young kids how do you find time and energy to write do projects and stuff it's like i need to survive that's like that's like asking how do you find time to eat (laughs) when you have three young children and sometimes Sometimes it is hard to find time to eat when you have three young children, but I do find time for projects. Okay, the fact that you lined up your projects as equivalents to eating for most people, it makes me go like, either I don't take my creative stuff seriously enough or you take it too seriously. I can't figure out which is which. I don't know. Yeah, to me, creative projects are like breathing or eating. <laughs> They're going to happen. Creativity is fuel, son. You get picky about what you put in the tank and your engine's going to die. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. Not the best one I've ever come up with. Okay, moving on. Last question. Here we go. You seem to love fantasy, mm-hmm. both in concept, its history, and creating it. What are some things that you love most about fantasy? Feeling the sense of, I guess Tolkien called it, being co-creators. When I think about why I love fantasy, I think of a conversation that I had with someone once where they were pointing out, like, if there's so many cool animals in the world, why do you feel the need to make up more creatures? And to me, that was like, what came to mind to me was like, That's like telling a musician why in the world do you want to make more music? Don't you love the music that's already there? It's like loving the music that's already there is what makes you want to be a musician and come up with more music. So to me, like loving just the amazing diversity of animal life uh, and the things God has created and different habitats and cultures. Yeah, and cultures. History. Mm-hmm. There's just so much there, so much diversity, so many languages that it's like 
in a celebration, I guess to me, it's like a celebration of what's there. I I have to make more. <laughs> so it's not you saying what's there isn't good enough. <laughs> it's you saying that what's there is awesome and you really feel like there should be more awesomeness. Mm-hmm. Or me overflowing with gratitude for what's already here is me making more and imagining more. That doesn't seem to line up to me, but maybe... To me, from a music standpoint, like, isn't yeah, that why... Yeah, people get into making music because they love music and they love what's already there. So they want more. <laughs> yeah. A lot of it times it's a tribute to what already exists. And then you wind up with those fans that are like, why can't you do this one song that you did 20 plus years ago over and over and over again? <laughs> and the band's like, we've moved on from that. We aren't the same people we were when we wrote that song 20 years ago. <laughs> <sighs> I pity you, Rich Mullins. You deserve better. <laughs> I still love Kamai, and I made those up a long time ago. They're in Tales of the Diversity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so it was Rito and Kyra? Rito and Kyra, yeah. Yes. Remember their names. <laughs> what? I remember what they look like from those and sketches. Grey Dunes assistant. Oh, right. Uh, I'm blanking on her name. <laughs> oh, shoot. Yeah, I thought, come on, it should be so painfully obvious here, but I can't remember it. Gosh darn it. Yeah, you better create I, I a new character. <laughs> What? Bessie Berry created a new awesome character to promptly forget about. <laughs> All right. I guess this has been the Book Bad Podcast. Yep. Be sure to follow us at book-bad.com. Leave a rating and recommend this podcast to your friends, acquaintances, and so on, whether you get it from the website or from Apple Podcasts. And you can also follow Carlissa on Facebook at book-bad. Mm -hmm. See you guys next time. Bye. Bye.